a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. This is part two of why your prescription drugs cost so much and why the prices have increased. Who's responsible for that, or at least partly responsible? Joining me today is Antonio Chacha. He's the president of Three Access Advisors. Before we go into this last bit, Antonio, what is Three Access Advisors? Why are you here telling me all about pharmaceutical costs and the evil people behind it? As I mentioned in the last segment, you know, I was I was working in the pharmacy world at the time, and our state Medicaid program was cutting four billion dollar checks uh, for prescription drugs in our Medicaid program on an annual basis. And every year we would hear this problem of, you know, oh my goodness, the cost of drugs are going up, the cost of drugs going up. I'd read about it in the paper. Drug makers are raising their prices, and here we found this two hundred and forty four million dollar hidden gap that they didn't even know existed. And so when I saw that, I said, how can, with all the resources that are available to a State Department of Medicaid, not have a good understanding of how $244 million could just leak out of the program? The the, the education to me was, is that nobody actually knows how the sausage is being made with prescription drug prices. And so we knew that there was a lot of data available that wasn't being utilized, And there was a lot of investigation that wasn't occurring in the drug channel. So today, our firm, Free Access Advisors, we do work on behalf of Medicaid fraud control units, employers, law firms, uh, Medicaid agencies that are all seeking to create greater accountability in how they spend a lot of money on prescription drugs. PBMs are not the only problem in this marketplace, but PBMs, because they build themselves as the savior of high drug prices, deserve an exceptionally high amount of scrutiny because we ultimately need their functionality to act as that necessary friction against those drug makers, wholesalers, and pharmacies, who, as I said before, would charge as much as they could get away with if they could. Is this going to wind up a case of the worst devil in the bunch? I mean, is PBM just like, well, if we're not here, you're going to have to face a bunch of really bad people. We're just sort of bad. We're not really bad like the drug makers are. That's certainly how I think they would. I think that's I think they would be comfortable with that characterization. And, I, and I've seen them say that, look, you don't want this system to exist without us. And, and look, I, I'm not saying that we need PBMs, but I do believe that PBM functionality is a vital component of this system if we're not going to totally upend the way that it's designed. Ohio just decided to say, hey, we're done with this. We're not letting PBMs arbitrarily set prices anymore. And we're going to take over and make sure that pricing is set using objective mechanisms. So certainly that's one way to skin that cat. But another way to solve the problem is to make PBMs be PBMs again. PBMs shouldn't own their own pharmacies. PBMs shouldn't make money when list prices go up. And PBMs incentives should be designed in a way 
that they actually are incented to make sure that costs are more efficient rather than profiting off of them when they go up. When you say that Ohio, they fired their PBMs, so who exactly at the state is now running this? So our State Department of Medicaid fired the PBMs that were working in the Medicaid Managed Care Program. And then what they did is they moved to a new system where they hired what we call a pharmacy benefit administrator. And a pharmacy benefit administrator is also as dorky as it sounds. It is basically a very simple lean and mean claims processor. And they do some oversight functions. They still do formularies, but everything is passed through. Everything is transparent. The state controls what that singular entity does, and they don't have the ability to arbitrarily kind of cook the books. The other thing that they did is they recognized that PBMs and PBAs, if they have conflicts of interest in the drug supply chain, that creates risk. So the state did one extra step and they said, we're going to have this PBA set, do all the PBM type functions, but then we're going to hire another company to be solely in charge of setting the prices in the pharmacy program. That entity will have no conflicts of interest, make no money off of the processing of prescriptions. And because of that, we can trust their, con- their the lack of conflicts and their incentives to just do the job of getting pricing right. In this new model, the state projects to save over $200 million per year when they implement it later this year. So that works for Medicaid and Medicare care, which is government run. But what about myself? I'm not on Medicaid or Medicare. How do I try to talk to my pharmacy like, you got to fire this PBM that you're using? I mean, how do you get rid of these people? Well, so it's it, unfortunately, it's not that simple. So uh, first off, Ohio is solving it for their Medicaid program, but they still have they have no purview over the Medicare program. So this these types of practices, they're not exactly the same, but philosophically, they're the same where PBM is cooking the prices up. All right. That still occurs in the Medicare program. And we also see it, it's definitely still occurring in the commercial space. That's why we do a lot of work with employers. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of firms out there. And if they do exist, they're expensive because this is really complicated stuff. This is where I do believe government has a role to play in trying to create and calibrate a more efficient marketplace. Because currently today, you have large companies that are dictating how this market operates and are obviously taking a lot of money out of that system. So I think where government can step in is is to kind of clamp down on some of the games that PBMs play, but most importantly, really leaning in on required transparency when it comes to the pricing and uh, of, of healthcare and pharmaceutical services. To me, right now, we don't have an informed consumer and capitalism is at its best when those that are purchasing goods and services are informed on the quality of, of the product that they're purchasing or the service they're purchasing, but also have good visibility into what the price is so that they can effectively shop that uh, that good or service with others that are providing it. This sounds like it's not going to happen overnight. And unfortunately, if all the consumers stand up and revolt, they may not get their medication that they actually need to save their life. So is this a, a function of we have to stand up with our vote? 
or talk to our legislatures or how how do we as consumers individuals get the word out so we can lower our costs the consumer's in a tight spot on this and i'll go back to how you were characterizing what a pbm might say wait to wait till you see this marketplace if we don't exist right I mentioned at the, at the early part of this is that PBMs get big rebates and discounts from drug makers in exchange for covering the drugs. Well, here's why that's a problem. While they're getting big discounts, the drug makers respond in raising the prices in, in, as, as a means to increase that discount. What that means is that drug prices are getting increasingly inflated from their real price. And so we as consumers need a firefighter to put out that fire. The PBM is that firefighter but never mind the fact that they started or, or poured gas on that fire in the first place. So we need them to to put out the fire that they helped make worse. And so one of the ways to end this problem is by getting rid of that rebate dynamic. This is special in the drug in the drug marketplace. Drug makers and PBMs have an exemption to the federal anti-kickback statute that allows for drug makers to pass these big rebates back to the PBMs in exchange for coverage. In the real world, we call those kickbacks and they're prohibited federally, except in this marketplace where they have an exemption. The previous administration sought to get rid of that exemption, but got a lot of heat politically from the insurers and PBMs saying, well, costs are going to go up if you get rid of this. I say that that changing that dynamic is an essential part of fixing this system so that we don't have to rely on the very entities who are exacerbating American drug pricing dysfunction. And short of that, I'm just going to go in and set up my own rebate thing with the pharmacist. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are some cash pharmacies out there. Um, there are some small ones that have started rising that don't work with insurance and are able to give big discounts on generic products that they can't do in an insurance-linked system. The problem is those pharmacies are few and far between. It is very hard to sustain a practice when we as consumers expect all of our medications to be covered. All right. Well, I know we can go down a really deep rabbit hole on this. And there's a. I thought we were already in it. Oh, yeah, we, we are definitely. <laughs> but there's also, like you said, it's not just the PBMs that are affecting the price, but they're the gatekeepers. And so... We need to go after them first, is my guess, or at least hold them much more accountable than we do. So, Antonio Chacha, you are the president of Three Access Advisors. If anyone does have any other questions or concerns, do you only deal with companies or can individuals come and go, what do I do? I, I need help. Oh, absolutely. We, we, we answer to everybody. I actually launched a nonprofit in 2018 called 46 Brooklyn Research, where we give drug pricing data and insights away for free. And uh, we help patients all the time when they have questions about the prices of medications. Okay. And where can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me at uh, Antonio at 3AxisAdvisors. That's the number 3AxisAdvisors.com. Our website is 3AxisAdvisors.com. Or they can look up our non my nonprofit, 46 Brooklyn Research at 46Brooklyn.com. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And even though my blood boiled, at least I learned a little bit more and I know kind of what to expect and inform people and start talking to my representatives in government. Thank you for what you do, Heather, in educating the consumer on how some of these complicated marketplaces work. 
Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.